0: Day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It's been a long time, as a matter of fact. In fact, if I'm
1: not mistaken, it's been a few years. You've had no interest. This was the case with them concerning the Word of God. Not only I mean it's it's really a two-fold indictment. Not only was it a reproach to them, the Word of God, but The word of God was of no interest to them, and there
0: was no delight in the word of God. When Israel lost interest in God's word, they were given correction, but still didn't turn back to him. They were taken captive by surrounding nations. And Pastor J.D. is going to warn you today that the same type of correction can come to you if you harden your heart towards God and refuse to repent. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 6 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Here in chapter 6, God continuing
1: through the prophet Jeremiah is, for lack of a better way of saying it, arguing his case. If that sounds very courtroom, then so be it. But he's bringing a case against his people, because he's going to bring judgment on his people. And this, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that, as we're going to see everyone was dealing falsely with each other, specifically saying, Peace, peace, when there's no peace. And again, it's so, I guess again, for lack of a better word, intense, because God has to, through the prophet Jeremiah, warn his people, and tell his people that they have brought this upon themselves. Woven into the fabric of this chapter, as intense as it is, this pleading, this God never giving up on his people. He still gives his people this Time to repent this opportunity to come to their senses, as it were, and come back to Him, but they don't. They hear, but they don't heed, despite the many warnings. So, you ready? You sure? <laughs> Let's jump in. Verse 1. Oh, you children of Benjamin, Gather yourselves to flee from the midst of Jerusalem. Blow the trumpet in Tico. Wait, why are you pronouncing it like that? Because that's the name of the town that I grew up in. Tico, Washington. Oh, I thought it was Ticoa. No, it's Tico. Well, wait a minute. Well, it's the town, very small town, likely was named after this town in Israel, close in proximity to Jerusalem. And this other town that we have mentioned here, where we read, and set up a signal fire in or Beth HaKarem. These were two towns on the outskirts of Jerusalem, and they were responsible to warn the city if disaster was coming, or destruction was coming, or there was a threat that was coming. They would light a fire, and they would see the smoke in Jerusalem, and the fire was the signal. The smoke was a signal, it's coming! And they would do that in my hometown of Tico, Washington, and also (laughs) in this uh, town of beth ha For disaster appears out of the north, and great destruction. This again speaking of Babylon. Verse 2, I have likened the daughter of Zion to a lovely and delicate woman. That's not a good thing. What Jeremiah is saying here is that you've become soft. You've had it so good for so long that you've become very soft like a delicate woman, no match for that which is coming from the far north. The shepherds, verse 3, with their flocks shall come to her, They shall pitch their tents against her all around. Each one shall pasture in his own place. Prepare war against her, verse 4. And let us go up at noon. Woe to us, for the day goes away. For the shadows of the evening are lengthening. Arise, and let us go by night, and let us destroy her palaces. Speaking of Jerusalem. So interesting here because, again, the parallels prophetically to our day, as it was in Jeremiah's day, are chilling Breathtaking. I don't mean to be overly dramatic. But what Jeremiah is saying to them in their day, and by the way, this was said to them, prophesied to them. They heard this from Jeremiah about them and what God was going to bring upon them. And here we are, these generations later, reading this word here in God's word, and it is so apropos to us today. And here's how I get there. Time is running out, you guys, and judgment is coming, you guys, and it's sooner than you think. The day goes away, The shadows of the evening are lengthening. The time is at hand, as we would say. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. Why? Because there is now this preparing for war against you. They are going to arise and come up against you. It is coming. And time is running out. I mean you'll forgive me, but this, verses 4 and 5, could be written for us today. There's no more time. The time is at hand. Time is running out. Judgment is coming. Verse 6, For thus has the Lord of hosts said, Cut down trees, and build a mound against Jerusalem. This is the city to be punished. She is full of oppression in her midst. And look at the imagery, the picture that's painted here on the canvas of verse 7. As a fountain wells up with water, So she, speaking of Jerusalem, wells up with her wickedness. Violence and plundering are heard in her. Before me continually are grief and wounds. Be instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from you, lest I make you desolate, a land not inhabited. Wow, what a picture, what an image. You know, the word image is where we get the word imagination, image, imagination. You know that God has given us a God-given ability to imagine, to have a good imagination And such is the case here. Imagine this image. Imagine this image. A fountain wells up with water. Of course, in our culture, we this is foreign to us, but not to them. That well water, your well from which you draw water, and it fills up, wells up with water. You know when it does that? Well, you're like that, because you're the well. And what's welling up is not water, but wickedness. You almost have this image again of it overflowing. And we even get more specificity, because the wickedness is this violent, plundering wow that's what they were doing yeah that's how bad it was yeah again see this through the lens of God justly rightly arguing his just case for just judgment he's laying out the case again if it Needs to be in your mind's eye this image again of a courtroom, so be it. He's arguing his case. You are guilty as charged. And now here comes the penalty. Here comes the punishment. Here comes the judgment. It's a just judgment because of this. Verse 9, thus says the Lord of hosts, They shall thoroughly glean as a vine the remnant of Israel, as a grape-gatherer. Put your hand back into the branches. To whom, verse 10, listen very carefully to this, to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised. The flesh is covering their ear. That flesh covering their ear needs to be cut away from their ear. It's uncircumcised and they cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. If that sounds like a verse we read in chapter 5, that's because that's a verse we read in chapter 5. I'm not trying to be cute or coy. But the fact of the matter is, is that God, again, in arguing His case, is indicting them, get this, if you can imagine. God's Word, the Word of God, to them was repulsive. It was a reproach. They had no interest. They had no delight in it. (laughs) If I could just bring it into, again, our day, in terms of the parallel, it's kind of like this. That Bible that you have, oh, excuse me. It's not that Bible you have. It's one of, like, 12 Bibles that you have. It just sits there collecting dust. In fact, it hasn't been open in so long that when you go to open it, the pages stick together. And if the Bible could speak, <laughs> it would say something like, Oh, where you been? Great to see you again. I missed you. Been a while. Been a long time, as a matter of fact. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a few years have had no interest. This was the case with them concerning the word of God. Not only—I mean, it's—it's it's really a twofold indictment. Not only was it a reproach to them the word of God, but the word of God was of no interest to them, and there was no delight in the word of God to them. I think about. David in the Psalms. (laughs) Psalm 34. I hope it's 34. It's either 34 or 37. I always get them mixed up. We mess up with this verse because he says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Really? Cool. Wait, let me see if I got this straight. So, He'll give me whatever my heart's desire is, if I will but delight in Him. Oh, I'm so delighted. So delighted. That's not what it means. Here's what it means. God will give you the desire first. He'll put that desire on your heart And then what comes as a result of God putting that desire in and on your heart is that He will give you a delight for that which He has given you the desire to do. That's how that works. Did I like ruin your whole night on that one? (laughs) It's such a great and grand and glorious promise. It's the desire of our heart is the delight of our heart. And that desire and that delight in and of our heart is the desire and the delight that God has put in and on our heart. And they would have none of it. By the way, Make no mistake about it, the Lord had tried to put that delight and desire on their heart, in their heart, and they just weren't interested. And God's never going to force himself on anyone. It has to be a willing heart. A heart that is supple, so that when the seed of God's word is met with the soil of our heart, that seed is able to germinate and sprout and bear wonderful and beautiful fruit. Verse 11, Therefore I am full of the fury of the Lord, I am weary of holding it in. I will pour it out on the children outside and on the assembly of young men together. For even the husband shall be taken with the wife, the aged with him who is full of days, young and old alike. And verse 12, their houses shall be turned over to others fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, says the Lord. Do you want to know why? This is pretty strong, right? Do you want to know why? Well, we're told why in verse 13. It's because from the least of them Even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. Uh, Let's hang on for just a moment before we go to verse 14. I want to spend a little bit of time on verse 14, but I think that verse 13 warrants it as well. Again, get the picture in your mind, this image of what they were totally given over to, covetousness. And it wasn't just the people, it was the prophets and even the priests too. We called it the three Ps, the priests, the prophets, and the people. The prophets were false prophets, The priests were corrupted in their power, and if you can imagine again, I know I'm using that word a lot tonight, but the people loved to have it so. In other words, these prophets, false prophets were prophesying falsely and the people loved it. And the priests were so corrupt and the people loved it. They were together with it. There's an interesting word in verse 13, did you catch it? Everyone. You look it up in the original, to see the uh, meaning. It means everyone. <laughs> I know that's deeply profound. That means everyone, not most, or some of them, or the corrupt among them or the wicked among them. No, every one of them was given to covetousness. And the the way they were treating each other, coveting each other, dealing with each other. I mean, you could just grocery list this. Dishonesty, falsehood, all of that which comes packaged with what we just read in verse 13. And If that weren't bad enough, verse 14, they have also healed the hurt of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Okay, this is, again, I'm just going to ask you to, you know, you're so gracious, you're so gracious me, so patient with me, but I'm just going to have to ask you to just kind of bear with me on this. So, again, let's try to superimpose the template of what's happening in our day over this that was happening in Jeremiah's day. So basically, they had... These people, these prophets, these priests that were basically telling everyone, it's all good. It's not that big of a deal. You know what? What's that saying? Keep calm and carry on. Keep moving. Nothing to see here. It's all going to be okay. Peace. Peace. Oh, uh, wait. I know what Jeremiah is saying. That doom and gloom guy. He's talking about judgment. Now it's not that bad. It's going to be okay. They, they heal the hurt. Don't miss that. The hurt of my people. These are people that are a needy people, a hurting people, and here comes these people saying, hey, let me see what I, and they they basically put a Band-Aid, that's the brand name, by the way, an adhesive, you know, whatever, but a Band-Aid. They put a Band-Aid on an open cut. Uh No, this is pretty serious. No, it's not. No, this this is bad. No, it's not. It's good. It's going to be good. It's going to be okay. No! You're telling me peace, peace, but there's no peace. You're not being truthful with me. This is dealing falsely with me.
0: We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Jeremiah is one of those books that's not the easiest to walk through in the Old Testament. It's almost like you see the train wreck that's up ahead and you want to warn them, but they just don't listen. Then you have other verses in this book that are commonly claimed, but what does it really mean in the context of what's going on? Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But if you're looking at the train wreck up ahead, you wonder, how does claiming that verse fit with exile and judgment? Ultimately, God's plan and purpose are to bring people back to himself in reliance and dependence on him, not in their own possessions or their comfort. The same could be said for you today. You may be going through something that seems like judgment or exile, but are you drawing closer to the Lord in the process? There's a future and a hope, but it may play out differently than you'd like. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Jeremiah, go to com to find these messages. There are a variety of additional resources on our website. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and then come back for our next edition where Pastor J.D. will continue on in the book of Jeremiah. We look forward to that time with you here on In Spirit and Truth.
1: La, la, la.